Hello, as I've said, or as Mike said, my name is Tyler, if we haven't met. Um, I'm from the United States. I've been in Sydney for about five and a half years now. Um, from a very small town in the Midwest, like 10,000 people small, which is a little bit shy of like the five million or so in Sydney. Um, I've got a couple of pictures of the town I grew up in. The first one, okay. Most of it looks like that. We grow a lot of corn in Missouri. <laughs> we also have the classic 50s style diner, and that's because it's been there since the 50s and they haven't changed it. Um, and it's the kind of small town that's in every Hallmark movie. You know, someone moves to New York or goes off to college and they come back and all their friends from high school are still there because people don't leave these small towns, let alone move to a different country. But ever since I was young, I've always wanted to come to Australia. I've just had this desire in my heart and I, didn't have a cl I didn't have a clear reason um, from, of why that was there. Uh, but as, you know, as my parents would tell you, it's always, always been there from since I was five or six. And they kind of pushed it aside at first. It wasn't really, you know, just silly things kids say. Um, but then, you know, as I got a little bit older, I discovered Google Earth and I'd walk around, you know, the Harbor Bridge and Circular Quay and look at the Opera House from my computer. And <laughs> then my parents started to get maybe a little bit worried. I don't know. <laughs> And then as I got a little bit older, as soon as I turned 16, I got a job. I started working to save money because I knew it would be expensive to come here. But that was still my end goal. It never left my mind. Um, as my friends you know, started studying harder to take the ACTs or the SATs, which are the tests colleges look at in America, they weren't on the front of my mind at all. I kind of pushed that aside. I was like, well, I'll take it if I have time, but I'm not going to college yet. I'm going to Australia. <laughs> um, so then when I, at, um, as soon as I graduated high school, I actually got a second job and I was working that for the whole summer. And as my friends moved away to college, I came to Australia. I finally made it here in 2016 and I haven't moved back since. Haven't really wanted to. Australia is pretty cool. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I think it, looking back at that, it's pretty clear that it was God that put that desire in me. I really believe that God has me here. Um, he spoke to me when I was on uh, the internship here in 2016 that, you know, he wanted me to stay and, and I'm still here. I've stayed. So <laughs> that's a good sign. And I think it's pretty clear that when God put that desire in my heart, that I followed that wholeheartedly. I didn't look back. Everything I did was, you know, planning to come here, to come to Australia when I was, you know, five or six, when I was, you know, just really excited about it, when I was looking on my computer at Google Earth and wandering around, you know, the Sydney Harbor, <laughs> you know, it was a wholehearted goal of, of what I wanted to come here, of when I wanted to come here. Um, another good example is if we look at Olympians, you know, Ian Thorpe is someone who's, you know, Australia's most medaled Olympian. And he began training at nine. He was swimming like nine, sorry, he was swimming three kilometers a week, which already sounds like a lot to me. And then when he was 12, he was swimming 15 to 20 kilometers a week. When he was 13, he began swimming 29 kilometers a week, which I'm pretty sure was more than I walk in a week. Um, and then a year later, he was... So when he was only 14, he was swimming as much as 48 kilometers a week, which is an insane amount of swimming, <laughs> if you ask me. Um, but that's someone who really loves swimming. He loves it wholeheartedly. Everything he did was, you know, to swim better, to, to get back in the water, to, you know, become the great Olympian that we know him as. As we know, he won five gold, three silver, and one bronze medals for Australia at the Olympics. And yeah, he was all in for swimming. He wholeheartedly loved what he did. 
but not everyone's wholehearted. And funny enough, let's look to the Bible to see someone who isn't wholehearted. <laughs> um, as after Moses led Israel out of Egypt, after their slavery in Egypt, he was leading them through the wilderness and God had, was leading them to a promised land. You know, he'd provided for them time and time again. And just before they're about to enter the promised land, um, which God said he would give them, they said, well, hold on, wait a minute. Let's send some scouts. Let's see what these guys, you know, who they are, what we're up against. And so Moses said, okay, you know, send, send a few scouts. They sent 12 men to go look at the land that God had promised them. And they were terrified. They came back and out of all 12 of them, only one was ready to go and fight. The other 11 were terrified. They said, they're giants there. They've got walled cities. You know, we can never take this. Even though, you know, they've seen God rescue them from Egypt. They provide for them all through the wilderness and promise them this land that he was going to give them. But they were all too scared. It says in Numbers, Then the Lord was very angry with them, and he vowed, Of all those I rescued from Egypt, no one who is 20 years or older will ever see the land I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, for they have not obeyed me wholeheartedly. It seems like a pretty severe consequence for, you know, being a little scared of some big guys. (laughs) But the, the Hebrew word here for wholeheartedly, it actually means literally to be filled. God was saying, you're not filled with me. And he's upset with Israel because they weren't filled with him. They weren't filled with God's spirit to, to take on what he had promised them. All they had to do was, was reach out and grab it. But they were not all in. They weren't, not just they weren't full enough. They weren't just partially full, you know, maybe three quarters of the way. That's not good enough. God wants all of us. He wants all of our hearts. In Revelation, Jesus says, I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other, but since you're like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. (laughs) Jesus says he would rather you be all in one way or another, hot or cold, (laughs) but somewhere in the middle is just, it's not good enough. It's just comfortable, just indifferent. Not being on fire for Jesus, he says even colder would be better because perhaps that coldness would would drive you into, into his arms. To be lukewarm just keeps you comfortable enough to coast along with no desire for change, with no desire to grow in in what he has for you. And Jesus says, I will spit you out of my mouth, which again, feels like a pretty severe consequence. (laughs) God has no tolerance for just lukewarm, for just half in. He wants you to be all in for him. So what does it look like to be wholehearted? Well, just like with an Olympic athlete, it's someone who's, who's all in, who's fully committed. Everything you do is for God. The, um, what we have on the, on the church page when you, when you look at these, these words that we've been preaching on over the last few weeks, for wholeheartedness, it's an unswerving commitment to passionately worship and serve God. It says in Matthew, is this microphone? Move it away. Is that better? Okay. In Matthew, the, they're asking Jesus, what is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Again, we're seeing this all word a lot here. Jesus wants all of us, all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, not just a little bit of this, a little bit of this, a little bit of this. He wants everything. He wants all of you. This isn't a one day a week thing. This isn't just on a Sunday morning. God wants all of us, all of our time. 
It's 24-7. It's 365. It's you know, when we're at work, when we're on the train, when we're at the shops. Every step of the way, God wants all of us all for him. And as you might expect, this changes our behavior a little bit. To be committed to living out God's plan, it means that we have to trust in what he has for us, to trust that, that, he, has, that he has us in his arms. To being wholehearted builds that faith in, in the Father. So I've got a few things I'm going to go through here um, in ways that it changes our behavior. The first thing, it gives us perseverance. You know, whether we, we understand what God is doing for us or not, it gives us the perseverance to, to, to live through what he has. Most of us would know the verse, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But you have to trust God to give you that strength. You don't just have it. You have to have that faith in him. It says in Second Chronicles, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose, those whose hearts are fully committed to him. <laughs> fully committed. There's no, there's no halfway committed here. It's all in. Secondly, it gives us the desire to see his kingdom advance. You know, the, as Mike mentioned before, we're part of a, a group of churches called Regions Beyond. And the verse where Regions Beyond comes from is in 2 Corinthians. It says, we hope that your faith will grow so the boundaries of our work among you will be extended. Then we'll be able to go and preach the good news to the regions beyond. And I don't know about you, but you don't start, you know, moving to the regions beyond to preach the gospel if you're not wholehearted. That, that has to be inside of you to want to go out and see the kingdom advance to see others come to know him. When you love God wholeheartedly, you want nothing more than to see others come to know him as well. Worship times will also become more passionate. They'll be, become a passionate response to what Jesus has done for us. As Paul says in the Corinthians, when you meet together, one will sing, another will teach, another will tell some special revelation that God has given. One will speak in tongues and so on. He lists a few more things. But this comes out of a wholehearted response to God. It's a wholehearted response to what Jesus has done on the cross for us. And out of that place is where these, these things come out on a, on a Sunday morning in our worship. Not, not just on a Sunday morning, but these things come out of, out of a wholehearted response to Jesus. You know, then out of that comes, you know, teaching and special revelation and a desire to use these gifts from God. We devote ourselves to him when we come to worship. It's that response to Jesus that, that gives us the, the spirit to, to serve him, to worship him. And along with that, serving wholeheartedly is to be a blessing. You know, when you come to serve, perhaps on a Sunday morning, it's not just, I'm on, I'm on sound again, or you know, I'm unwelcome, I have to wake up early to, to get here in time to set up. You know, but it's, you know, I, I can do whatever I can to be a blessing. If you were here um, from the Mother's Day when Lynn was speaking, she spoke about Mary's response to Gabriel telling her that she was pregnant with Jesus. And the response, the, her, Mary's response was just amazing. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. Now that is a wholehearted response. I am the Lord's servant. And that's the heart we need to have when we come to serve. Is to be the Lord's servant, to want to do what he has for us. And similarly, at work as well, not just you know, serving on a Sunday morning, but serving in your job. 
You know, when you go to work, are you saying, I am the Lord's servant? If you don't work at a church or work with the church in any way, maybe that's not the first thing on your mind. But God calls us to, to be his servant, to work with him, to do his work no matter where we are. It says in Colossians, and whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. And that's how we should live our lives. That's how we should live every day at work or again at the shops, on the train, wherever we are. God wants us to be all in for him, to be a wholehearted servant. And this means trusting God, you know, where, where he has you that he has you there for a reason, even if you don't like your job. It's somewhere that he has you for this time. Now, I'm not saying that you can never change jobs, but this is, this is where God has you, to trust that he has you in this place to do his plan, to do his work, to see his kingdom advance. Another trait of wholeheartedness is our generosity becomes wholehearted. When we trust God with everything, we trust him to provide what we need. And we can trust him with our finances. There's a story in the book of Mark about a widow who gives only two small coins to the offering and Jesus sitting up by the offering basket, not to put any pressure on anyone, but he tells this story after the offering. I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions, for they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. And that's a wholehearted response to what God has for her. She gave everything she had, and she trusted God to provide her with what she needed. You know, she only had these two small coins, but she was willing to give them up to, to see God's kingdom advance because she trusted wholeheartedly that he would provide her for everything she needed. And this doesn't only apply to, you know, giving on a Sunday. It, it opens up our, our hearts to hospitality. If we you know, have a coworker who's in need, who's struggling in some area, we're more likely to help them because we see that they're in need and we can, we can offer that support because our hearts are wholehearted for God and we want to see his kingdom advance. We trust that he's given us everything we need so that we can give on to others and provide them with their needs. Additionally, our prayers will be an intimate time of communing with God. They're not just a shopping list of, uh, you know, a few things that need a change or, you know, this, is, this isn't right, this isn't right, God fix this, help me out here. But it's, it's a time of communing with God, of speaking with Him, of listening to Him and hearing what He has for us to, to build our spirit and in, in faith in Him. So how do we become wholehearted? Well, firstly, I think we look to Jesus, our Savior, our Redeemer, who lived the perfect life and died on the cross for us. And when we lose sight of that, I think that's when we fall. That's when we become lukewarm. That's when we become comfortable and, and start you know, cruising through. You know, we're no longer passionately uh, striving to grow more in God, striving to, to do what he has for us, but we just are comfortable. We, you know, we go day by day, you know, he's kind of in the back of our minds, maybe, you know, a second, second thought. And our fire dwindles and, and we just get comfortable in where we are. And I think that might have happened to a lot of us during these past, you know, year and a half with COVID, you know, not being able to have a Sunday morning meeting, not be able to come and worship him because we had to wear masks. It's very easy to get comfortable in that, to, to, to just 
You know, have, the, have it in the back of your mind. You know, you see the, the email come through of the Sunday sermon and you think, oh, well, I'll watch it later. But then a few more emails come in and it drops down the list and you never get to it. And it's just, when we stop pursuing God, when we stop, when we stop remembering what he's done for us, that's when we become lukewarm. But it's just not enough. As I said before, he wants all of you. He wants all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your Sunday morning. He wants all of your attention. He wants all of you. So what areas are are you not giving your all to God? What areas are you just comfortable in? You know, when we look back to the cross, back to what Jesus has done for us, our only response can be to give ourselves fully back to him, to give our all to him. Galatians 4, 7, 4, 4 to 7 says, But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom by dying on the cross for us, who were slaves to the law, so that he could adopt us and his very own, as his very own children. And because we are his children, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father, you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Even when we were lost in our sin, totally cut off from God, he always loved us and he made a way for us to come back to him through Jesus. But we still can't do it on our own. We need his help. We need God's spirit. As it says, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. And that's what empowers us to serve him wholeheartedly. It fills us with the passion and the ability to to go out and to, to serve him wholeheartedly, to worship wholeheartedly, to persevere wholeheartedly. It says in Ephesians, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family, to bring us to himself through Jesus Christ. That's what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. That's our motivation, but we need his spirit to to, to empower us to serve him. As we were singing before, yet not I, but in Christ through me. We can't do it on our own. We need God. We need his spirit to serve him fully. He empowers us in that. He empowers us to be wholehearted. He empowers us to persevere wholeheartedly, to desire the advance of his kingdom wholeheartedly, to worship wholeheartedly, to serve wholeheartedly, to give wholeheartedly, to pray wholeheartedly, to work wholeheartedly. And when you're wholehearted, these other words that we've been talking about kind of fall into place. You know, someone who's wholehearted is empowering and authentic and courageous. They're all traits of someone who's wholeheartedly serving God. We need his spirit to come, come to him, his spirit to come to us. We remember the cross and we ask God to empower us. We ask God to fill us with his spirit, to empower us to do these things, to serve him wholeheartedly, to be all in for him.